You're listening to For the Lore, the podcast that delves in the craft of our favorite games, whether lore, gameplay, or game design. Each week, Roger is joined by Joe and Vince. For the Lord, this is Roger coming to you on Monday. We are actually, well, we're on the right day. We're a little late, but we're on the right day. Thanks for joining us live. We are actually just going to have a very informal roundtable discussion about PAX, which just wrapped up. And like I was saying, there was not a ton of new news there. However, we did get some pretty interesting news about games that we are quite excited for. And because of the focus on indie games, especially for uh, Nintendo had... A, an indie panel that it had for the, the press, as did Microsoft. Microsoft is really pushing the indie titles as well, and I'm thinking that's largely because they've seen the success of PlayStation is having doing the same thing and the reception that they're getting. So there's a couple of indie titles coming out that blew my mind, and one in particular I hadn't even heard about that now I can't wait to play. So we're going to actually start off with Guild Wars 2. They did have a presence here. There were some announcements as well, some really cool ones as well. The game is three years old now, just turned three, and they announced that they are going to be having raids. And Joe's going to touch on that in a moment. But that's actually huge because mm-hmm. most MMOs come out, they've got the raids. Hell, even a shooter MMO like Destiny, if they don't have raids, people bitch about it. But We've spent so much time playing Guild Wars, those of us that played both the original as well as the the second, we're kind of used to there not being raids. There's a lot of other things to do in-game aside well, from yeah, raiding. That's not to say that they haven't made up for it in other aspects of exactly, the game. Exactly. Like the game itself, it's, it's not one of those games where you don't really... I haven't noticed raids missing, have you? Mm-hmm. The thing is, is it will make a difference once it's implemented. Oh, yes. It will add a fairly serious level of content and time investment as well. Anyways... For that and a bunch of other news, Joe, go ahead. So we're, we're, we're going to talk on raids just for a quick, since this was the first thing we talked about here. Uh, the first raid that they're going to be introducing is meant to, in Heart of, the, Heart of Thorns, the first real major expansion that they've, they've done for Guild Wars 2. It's going to be made of three distinct raid wings where you have a 10-player raid. It's an instance elite dungeon that's supposed to be more challenging than anything else that's in the game. That's really cool because they really want to ramp up and give you something that makes you feel epic. And they made that a point to say that they wanted it to feel epic. And keep in mind, keep that word in mind, folks, because a lot of things that they're coming with this expansion, they want it to feel like heroic content. They want it to feel like you are this badass, masterful character that has a stake in the world. And that's something that you, you know, want to keep in the back of your mind. And the thing that I liked... And I know you'll get into it more, but one of the things that I liked immediately about the announcement of raids, and it's funny because, again, I am I do some raiding, but nowhere near regular anymore. I'm, I'm mm-hmm. long past that. But this excited me, not just, again, because of the idea of the raid, but because I know that it's going to have that arena net guild wars flair to it with flying around and jump puzzles and different things like that. So it That's brings this... what I was about It's to not say. just... Oh, and you will. It's not just... It's not just that static, okay, you're going to stand here, shoot at all of these AoE, you're going to stand here, oh, and here's the boss fight. No, this takes on a whole new level. Well, you have to also keep in mind, too, that Guild Wars 2 is one of those games that breaks a lot of molds, too. 
it doesn't really have a dedicated healer class. It has support classes, but not in the same regard that that most traditional MMOs do. There's a lot of emphasis on personal responsibility, dodging, as well as personal upkeep on top of things like picking up the occasional health pack or standing near a health totem. Um, so there's a lot of investment in that. And all of those mechanics are going to be present here. And personally, I can't wait to see 10 players really truly try to accomplish a jumping puzzle together especially if they're evil bastards and you have to do it in a certain sequence with certain people on certain tiles or something along those lines i'm gonna i'm gonna freaking love it well they did some of that with uh, wildstar as well and that's another thing too wildstar was a lot of people had a problem with their their versions of dungeons and raids and whatnot because they were brutal. They've lessened a lot of that up, but it's, it's, it was brutal. Some of the, and some of them, you had to do these jump puzzles and well, we've met. (laughs) (laughs) So my jump puzzle skills, those days also are a little behind me right now. I just hand the controller a keyboard for most of my son and say, just get me up there. So while I enjoy it to a certain degree, if it's too brutal, I'm kind of, kind of, but it, it still does add, such a uh, immersion it's you're you're far more present in that space and that's what i love well and and here's the other thing too is they're adding equal rewards to the challenge as well um in particular let they talked about legendary armor um they're introducing legendary armor as something that you can earn basically by completing uh these raids and they let you build legendary precursors Uh, which are legendary heavy, medium, and light armor sets. They're like the legendary weapons. They have the same stats as Ascended Armor, and you'll be able to change the armor stats out of combat and kind of just... It's it's really cool stuff that they're adding in to make you look as epic as you are. It's a little reward. And the fact that the stats are the same is a good thing because it's like it's not making it any more than any other thing that's in the game right now. It's not unbalancing it. It's just giving you a visual flair. Yeah, and Guild Wars is all about you having a distinct look from the dice to the armor sets to everything. In the original Guild Wars, I can't tell you how much time and money I invested so that my <laughs> warrior, she, oh, I loved her. She was kick-ass, just awesome. And she had, and I, of course, so long ago, I can't remember the name of the armor set. It had something with bone, if I'm not mistaken, in it. And I worked my ass off, and I had some guildies that helped me with some of it as well. And it was an accomplishment when you got that set. And I've done similar things in WoW with different armor sets, even back in the day when they were much harder to get and meant something. And even then, it never meant quite the same. And part of that was that with... The, the Guild Wars way, again, you, between the dies and all of that, it's you can be your own pretty little unique snowflake kind of thing. And that's really important because that visual flair is kind of one of those, like you said, it's one of those distinctions in Guild Wars 2, and it's an important distinction. But that was that was one of the things they, they talked about. Uh, they did talk about revamping the fractal uh, dungeon system a little bit, uh, raising the levels up and making them a little more... Um, I'm trying to think how to phrase it, easier to digest, uh, which is kind of interesting because fractals are those things where uh, it's one island from a static list that rotates between three random islands with a random boss. And they're meant to take 30 to 60 minutes. 
and if you want to, you can push it longer. They're basically made so that you can consume them as you see fit, which is kind of interesting because there's been a lot of games that have made dungeons that just run forever and ever and ever or feel like they slog through or have really weird mechanics here. You play what you have time. You have 30 minutes, go ahead and do it. You have 60 minutes, go ahead and do it. You have 90 minutes, you can spend 90 minutes doing it. And it will have equal rewards to what you go ahead and, and, and put into it. Uh, so there's going to be different difficulty ratings that allow you certain things like legendary backpacks, um, which give you all sorts of cool like visual wing effects and, and kind of, again, that visual cool stuff. Nothing will beat my book on fire from that Halloween I don't know. Those crystalline angelic wings oh, look no. freaking badass. On my freaking little Asura with the, the skull face <laughs> that I have with his big scythe, flaming book on the back. You'd be pimp like that. But they're also adding in uh, bonus sub-objectives to each of these as well, so it's not just going to be get past these islands, get to the boss, kill it, and go. There's going to be other things to do in there, possibly jumping puzzles, possibly sub-bosses. They haven't really talked too much about it. But it's kind of an interesting thing to say that even even though they're adding raids, they're still not forgetting about dungeon content, which is what they've had for so long, and it still shows that there's a labor of love with it. Now, on top of that, and I don't know if you guys have seen the terribly named but really cool-looking Daredevil class... A horrible freaking name, but oh my the, what they're doing with it is awesome. Yes. So we the expansion is going to bring with it elite specializations. These are class distinguishing sort of uber class kits that you can move into. And so the thief's elite specialization is called the Daredevil for whatever reason. I have no bloody clue. I don't know why they called it that, but okay, whatever. And it's going to completely focus entirely around dodging and being a freaking ninja in combat. And we're talking about things like dodging. And then as you're dodging, launching shuriken or throwing blades at whoever you're like dodging from so that you can bleed, torment and cripple them. So you have not only dodging defensively, your dodge is an attack. Now um, we're talking about when you have the ability to use your dodge as a leap and get out from one location and just land somewhere and deal massive amounts of damage as you touch down and then dodge off to the next one. Uh, or where you can dash into somebody, and as you're dashing into somebody, you're crippling them, and you're just dealing tons of status effects as you're avoiding taking damage, which is important because you're a glass fucking cannon. And that's kind of one of the cool things about this class. And not only do you do this, but you do this like a friggin' monk from the Shaolin, like, old Shaolin Kung Fu movie where you have a staff that lets you, you know, go through and, like, (laughs) poke at somebody or do your, you know, little swirl around your head or leap onto something. And it's fucking awesome. Like, the idea of a little Ashura doing this just makes me really happy. Oh, yeah. Now just looking forward to the Spider-Man and Iron Fist Elite specializations. (laughs) (laughs) See, the problem is, is that as good as the Netflix series was... I still see Affleck whenever I hear Daredevil. It's going to ruin this for me. God damn it. But I'm I'm really curious about the name for it, too. Like, I don't mm-hmm. know why they went with Daredevil. I understand there's a lot of flipping and shit like that. I don't know if they're, they're literally just trying to capitalize on the success of the TV series. But it's like, it's a fucking ninja. Call it a fucking ninja. All right, moving on. What else do you got? <laughs> Um, honestly, the other cool thing about it is they started talking about how the world is going to interact more now. We saw this in the past where things that happen in the game, events, 
will change certain quest hubs or change certain things that affect you as you're in the mainland. Here, apparently, entire zones are going to shift depending on these big zone map-wide events that are occurring, which is really kind of cool. And we're talking about your participation and success in these events is going to change how everything happens in that zone for until the next event occurs. And I thought that was really kind of cool because they're taking what they, they, they thought was a really good concept and expanding it. And I don't know about you guys, but I really did enjoy those dynamic events. Oh yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and so now we're going to have these outposts, which are going to be these central hubs for events where you go. And it's going to be something like uh, the first one they gave was like the nighttime invasion was the example uh, where you basically have to beat back this invasion of, you know, monstrosities that are trying to overrun the zone. And I thought that was kind of cool. Um, and then they talked a little bit about some of the races that we're going to see, uh, which we haven't gotten all of them yet. Uh, but there's kind of cool things like undead plant zombie things, uh, thing, saurians, which are like these weird, I don't know, even know what to call them. They're like the, the droid, like it's Jurassic Park monstrosities. And of course, really creepy looking frog dudes because, yeah. well, frog dudes. Um, I'm really interested in the Chak or Chalk. They look cool. They're like mystic scorpions. I want to know what the hell they are. Yeah, I love how, and that's something they've always done well. Like, I mean, yes, these characters are goofy, but believe you me, once you're playing the game and you're in that zone, it always fits. And I like their character designs that they go from ridiculously goofy to damn near frightening in some some spots. But again, it fits for whatever that zone is, and I always enjoy that. And I mean, this is all just touching on the surface, right? We still have so much more to go before the game comes out and they're teasing it out and they're doing it in a great fashion where it's well paced. You don't feel like they're leaving you behind. You don't feel like they're over inundating you with information. They're not blowing their load, so to speak. And you can see they have a very clear plan. Way to keep Uh, it PG. What's that? Nothing. Nothing. Keep going. (laughs) Freaking shingles. But yeah, no, it's in the game's going to be coming out in October. Uh, October 23rd. Yeah, so we, we have just a little bit of more time to get that last bit of information before the big release event. And I don't know about you guys, but I've been starting to log back in and play oh, again. Yeah. Yeah. I'm really enjoying myself. And it's because of these teasers, these reveals, these releases that they're talking about that are making me very excited for this expansion. See, yeah, the, the urge is starting to get there again. Yeah. The, the thing that I like is as much as I like playing the Asura, and I really obviously do. I love playing the Savari as well. And I like that history behind them as well. And the questing and whatnot. So I really like this. And this is fairly heavy Silvari content, not just because you're looking at a jungle kind of thing and they're plant people, but also because it's it centers around one of the six elder dragons, Mordromoth. And basically mm-hmm. he wants to enslave all of the Silvari race. So that's why you're getting some kind of zombie ones that are he's gotten them, essentially, and he's working towards enslaving the entire Silvari race. So if you play a Silvari or if you start one when this comes out, I'm really hoping that you're going to be that much more invested by virtue of the fact that the questing will be even that more personal because that friggin' dragon is coming right for you kind of thing. So I like that a lot. Okay, let's move on to some other actually PAX news as well. Although, like I said, there was some talk about that at PAX, so it's safe to put it in. (laughs) I was going to bring up a certain DLC for a certain game, but I fear that if I did, that 
I Vince would bring up Spider-Man on Comic Book Informer <laughs> from that point on. So if you want to talk about Dragon Age. <laughs> yeah, this really excited me because we're getting the final DLC. Well, as I said, story DLC. They may still tinker with the multiplayer a bit here and there. For Dragon Age Inquisition comes out on September 8th. And I got to say, I love what Bioware is doing where they're not giving us these long, drawn-out things. They show us something awesome, and you can play it within a week or two. We got that with uh, The Descent. Uh, Jaws of a Con, to an extent, if you had an Xbox One, you could play it right after it was announced. But this is going to be the grand finale for Inquisition. So did you guys finish it? No. But no. now that I have my setup here, I actually am looking forward to That's one of the ones that I'm going to be installing as soon as I change hard drive. Okay, I'm going to try and make this as spoiler-free as possible. I will forget by the time I finish the game, please. <laughs> I Same here. I will, I will probably forget by the time I get there, so feel free. Yeah, so this is actually taking place two years after the end of the game. They said, unlike Descent and Jaws of Hakan, you actually can't even play this DLC mission until you've finished the main story for obvious reasons. It really is an epilogue. Kind of the same way uh, Awakenings was for the original Dragon Age, how you needed to be able to finish it, like... And I think it was the same thing with the the crappy witch hunt. You had to finish the story to do that one, right? Mm, I don't know, actually. I don't know. I could. I know. I, by the time it came out, we'd both done. We'd finished oh, it. We'd all, all yeah. yeah. So, but again, it made sense that it kind of had to be an epilogue because of what happened in the story there. So the main things here is it's two years after the closing of the rift and the defeat of Corypheus, and the Inquisition. <laughs> They still just don't fit in. I love that speech. I, I think it, Cassandra gives. It's like, we saved them. They hate us. We saved them. They hate us. We saved the entire world twice. I just want one day where something doesn't go wrong. It's, I, I was just kind of picturing. It's a Murtaugh speech. <laughs> so as we come here, the Kunari who were very subtly in the Inquisition campaign. Of course, we had Iron Bull, and there was a lot of the story with Iron Bull, the Zed, you know, he's a spy and whatnot for the larger Canari forces. So I guess it took them two years to know what they need to know, and now they're coming for the Inquisitor's head because, for whatever reason, the Inquisition must be stopped and the Canari are the ones that are going to do it. On top of that... <laughs> There are some larger world-spanning chaos going on. If you watch the trailer, as they're jumping from one place to another, it's not just a scene transition. They're actually going through the Alluvion mirrors, which was the big thing in uh, Witch Hunt, as well as Dragon Age 2 with the Meryl character, and became a huge plot point near the end of Inquisition, uh, once a lot of other characters showed up. It, and not to ruin anything, but the last scene in this trailer is pretty damn huge if you have finished Inquisition. So they're tying up a lot of loose ends, uh, stuff that I thought they were going to save for a sequel. Nope, they're just doing it here in this DLC. And as they come to say, they are not just finishing off Inquisition, but they're already going to start setting the table for whatever is next for the Dragon Age franchise. Hmm. I actually, obviously, I didn't watch the trailer because I haven't finished the game. And as soon as they said two years later and all that, I went, stop, stop, nope, nope. <laughs> I can wait. It's all right. I know it's an awesome trailer. I know it is, but I have to wait. But yeah, I am. So now I can finally to start my second playthrough because what I like to do with Bioware games is do one playthrough clean and then do a second playthrough with all the DLC and see right. just how much of a difference there is. Cool. 
Okay. Uh, we did get some news as well for Rise of the Tomb Raider. Not a ton, but more people got to play it, including uh, various journalists and whatnot, too. So you got a little bit more of a, uh, an opinion from, from those two. And they did show off some actual gameplay. It was funny because they were talking about it on IGN, and they were talking about, again, the comparison between that and Nathan Drake, which is the obvious comparison that you have to make. And while Nathan Drake is far more, it's an adventure, and you kind of always know he's going to be all right with Lara. Be, by virtue of the fact you get those murderous death scenes, <laughs> you know you can die and die really horrifically. So this was cool because they actually showed her going right into a tomb. And they were talking about how claustrophobic it felt going through the various caves and whatnot and how creepy it was. And you really believe she's in danger. And like they're showing all of these freaking scorpions on the wall and skeletons right out of freaking Last Crusade. And and it's true. It's an Indiana Jones just with breasts. And it was freaking awesome. And she's crawling. Like if you seriously, I'm watching this and I'm not claustrophobic in the least. But I'm watching this and I'm kind of like squirming in my chair a little bit because she's like going in that really tight spot to get through. And there's scorpions behind her and skeletons. And I'm going, Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. It was awesome. It was really freaking awesome. I cannot wait to play this game. And that one's actually coming out in November. So same time as Fallout 4. So One of the few (laughs) games we were talking about this weekend that wasn't delayed until next year. November is going to be a hard month for me. You all are not going to see me in, no- in November at all. Like, you realize that, right? And I did, uh, I did pick up, well, not pick up, but I pre-ordered uh, an Xbox One. I was telling Joe about that earlier. There's You, you got your Forza bundle? Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I wanted the Guardians, but I was like, fuck you, I'm not paying 100 bucks for that <laughs> jingles. <laughs> not going to happen. So, uh, yeah, it was, uh, the, I like the Forza one. I think it looks cool. It has the custom sounds and stuff. Plus, it has Forza, so I said, deal. And I had enough points through my credit card to get gift certificates. So it was like 275 bucks worth of gift certificates. It didn't cost much. So mm. deal. So I'll be able to play this right away. And I will be. I'm not <laughs> pre-ordering it. No more of that shit. <laughs> you're, oh. not, you're not getting me Uncharted 4. <laughs> and all you other bastards. Deus Ex, I'm looking at you. Yeah. No. So we're just going <laughs> to buy it on the day it comes out. So yeah, very cool stuff. And just to quickly add to that, the also talked to some folks from Naughty Dog about the uh, the Nathan Drake collection that has the first three of the Uncharted games altogether remastered for the PS4. And this isn't just a remaster. They went through the entire game and they remastered the graphics, the like 1080p. They remastered the sound as well. They also went through and found which of the games had the best aiming mechanics, shooting mechanics, all those, and applied that to all of the games. Hmm. So there's no disconnect between the first and the second and the third, which if you play them, there actually is a disconnect in how it handles. Here, now it's going to be seen throughout. Like, for anyone who doesn't have the games and who has shown interest in those types of games, it really is going to be a fantastic bundle to pick up. Like, sadly, I own them all. Otherwise, I would strongly consider picking them up just to play through them again and, and yes, finish them all. <laughs> but have the proper, you know, mechanics through it all. I was, I was fairly impressed with the work that obviously went into this. It's not just a simple, uh, let's just up the, the, uh, the frame rates and the, the, uh, the 1080p kind of stuff and shoot it out. No, it, very cool. 
Okay, yeah, Joe, that's... you got anything else from PAX that you saw that you wanted to talk? I know you didn't see too, too many. I, you know, I wasn't overly impressed with a lot of stuff. However, we did get a new trailer for Necropolis, which made me very, yes. very happy. And that was at PAX. Which, okay, so Hairbrain Schemes has made one of those game companies that has just been producing gold for me. And this is not just, you know, Shadowrun Hong Kong, which I've already spent 22 hours in, but Necropolis, which is their version of Dark Souls with like a cool cell shaded Zelda style graphics and including roguelike elements with permanent death and things like that. And I love what they did with this trailer because Roger and I were talking about it. It's pure 70s, like heist type stuff. And it was absolutely hysterical to see. And the more little bits I see about this, the more I want to play this game. And I am so jealous of everybody who's got to play this at PAX because there was, in fact, playable demos for people to play there. I thought it looked and sounded fantastic when they first announced it. And then see this and it's like, oh, dude, <laughs> this, like I said, it's a 70s TV action show, bad action show kind of thing with the music and everything. I was going, I'm in. I I can see myself pumping quite a few hours into that. Uh, Vince, anything else? Yeah, one of the big ones, uh, aside from Dragon Age for me, was XCOM 2. Had a pretty big presence this year. Good news and bad news. The good news is it's delayed until February. That's the good news because the bad news is all the discussions they gave about how they're upgrading all the enemies in the game. In addition to adding in new foes, the ones that already killed you dozens and dozens of times are now going to be even harder. And they specifically homed in on the chrysalids, which if anybody has played the first XCOM Fuck chrysalids. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the Cliff Notes version is basically they're these insect-like aliens that can infect civilians, turn them into zombies, and if you don't kill the zombie quick enough, it turns into a full chrysalid, which can then spread the disease more. Well, the new chrysalids can now cocoon the NPCs, which will result in three spawn coming out it's it's gonna be ridiculous i have bad bad memories of whales uh, i'm still gonna play the hell out of the game (laughs) did you watch the scalebound video no oh dude (laughs) and you know i've been fiending on that oh i know i know and this would just make you wanted that much more now Again, we, we talked about this before. This was your game of, was it E3 or which one was it, Gamescom? Gamescom. Yeah, where you were flipping out, and I was like, yeah, it's great. Maybe not games of the, the top game, but and it's the same with this. Not the top game of PAX, but man, what they showed was cool. And they talked to a couple of, I presume to be the devs, and they were talking about the various mechanics and things in the game. These guys have mainly worked on fighting games before, and they wanted to do something that would have combat, but not be as punishing as their fighting games, traditional fighting games. And something where you don't have to feel like you need to know all of the combos and everything. You can be far more relaxed in how you do it. Plus, for people who are... And it almost came off condescending of them, but I'm thinking it's the translation. <laughs> where they were saying, like, you know, if you're afraid of jumping in or whatever, look, you have a dragon as a companion. He's He's basically, <laughs> you know, essentially a trainer for these people so that they can get used to 
action fighting. It's like, you can do it. Look, you're fighting with a dragon. So Thuban is your, your dragon. And what they talked about, which was really cool, is you can also equip armor on him if you want. And then that armor, depending on the type of armor, will give him unique traits and abilities as well. And there's like lots of different armor that'll change the play style. Like you can put armor on that's far more defensive, but it'll slow him down. So he's more like your tank now and you're playing support. Or you can choose to equip yourself with fairly heavy weapon kind of thing. And then you, you can change into a dragon kind of thing as well in a dragon format at that point you become like a lot more powerful and you can go toe to toe with these big creatures and he can play a range support class that just kind of snipes from behind you and then there was also like you could put spikes on his tail so then he's much more up close and personal dps like all of this stuff and there was a lot of different things it was freaking awesome because i keep thinking again like i know my son has been pumping hundreds of hours into Monster Hunter 4 on his mm-hmm. DS. He loves that shit. And I'd wanted to like it when it came out for the uh, the Wii U, but we tried the demo. Same Joe, thing. I think you tried it too on the Wii U, didn't you? Joe's gone. Uh, I can't vaguely? Remember. Yeah, I and it was bad. It, out. it was bad. It was just not enjoyable in the least, at least for, for Well, us. I should tell you something. Yeah. Like, I don't, like, it's one of those things where it's like, seared out of my memory oh we i was gonna buy it like i was set to buy it as soon as it came out and then the demo came out which was the worst mistake they could have made because they lost out on my cell and uh <laughs> I, I just hated it. but anyways i like the concept because mm-hmm. it's it's a you know japanese inspired kind of pokemon but more with the dragons and the different sure those mystical aspects and we all know how much I love collecting Pokemons and various shit. Like, I, I, I live for that stuff. So this idea of the Monster Hunter and you collect the different things and whatnot, I love it. It's just the play style was shitty. This is that, but so much better. And you're not necessarily collecting, but you're just going out and laying waste to everything with a dragon buddy. And you can, your arm is has got draconic cells in it flowing through the arm. That's why it looks like a dragon arm. And it acts as essentially a meter for you to know how Thuban is doing as well. Thuban, sorry, is doing. Because if he ain't doing well, then your arm is slowly turning to stone and things like that. So you can tell different things about him and how he's doing based on your arm. And then you use the arm to also kind of investigate his whatever wounds or whatever. You can see things. Freaking awesome. Like, <laughs> we didn't get a lot in terms of, like, whatever stories they're planning to put in there. But at this point, pfft. I know the show is called For the Lore, but I really don't give a shingle. I want to just, I want to play this. It sounds like a blast. Yeah, I'm sold. But they've given us enough hints of the story that I'm convinced it's at least going to be solid. It might not be, you know, game of the year story-wise. I don't expect it will be. if, If you have phenomenal gameplay and a good story, that's fine. Yeah. Did you see the video on Hub? There wasn't a ton. A little did. bit, yeah. But yeah. what it was was really cool. I'm sorry, Joe, did you say you did? I did, yeah. Yeah, it was awesome, though, wasn't it? Like, I mean, it, it, it further reinforced this idea of that there's no NPCs and whatnot, but you have to figure things out on your own. And then when he was, or it, was moving things around to change the landscape, mm-hmm. that was freaking awesome. 
it was it, what I got from the video. Again, it wasn't a whole lot. It was a few minutes and then like some discussion because and, and I'll comment on this afterwards. Um, but it seemed like Legend of Zelda and Bastion had a baby and Todd is the result because it has it has that same element. And Dawson Journey for good measure as well. And a little bit of Journey in there. But I will say one thing, like, and I don't know if you guys noticed this, there was not a whole lot of, like, gameplay footage. There wasn't a lot of, I didn't see a lot of, really, a lot. As much, especially even compared to, like, PAX East or last year's PAXs at all. Yeah, but I think the game is still fairly young. That's why we're not getting quite I'm not talking about that, I'm just talking about in general. Right. I'm not surprised. At this point, I'm not surprised. I, I think they're moving all of their attention away from Torchlight into this, and that their main presence is going to be as they get closer and closer, and they'll have more playable demos. Like, really, I was we, more commenting on PAX as a whole. Oh, yeah, okay, no, I, sorry. I, I know what you're saying, Joe. Yeah. Oh, uh, I thought you were talking. About, we were still talking. No, because like I'm, 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 I was just kind of, I was just kind of one of those things that like this triggered her because I was like, I wanted more from it, but like I only got that little tiny tidbit. Yeah, well, it's it's kind of the the way PAX is going now that there's three PAXs in America <laughs> you're basically getting the same amount of content just spread out over three different cities yeah I mean again we've said this before and I maintain too like there really there should be one PAX it may be a PAX on other continents sure but if you can't make it you can't make it that's just how it is and this idea of like every few months either being told just a little bit more it's or whatever saturation. It really at this point is that being said, anyways, let's just keep going. I what I saw impressed the hell out of me. The fact that it's going to be intelligent as well in terms of the weapons that you get, like you can shoot electricity through the gloves. You get various gloves, so one of them allows you to shoot electricity, and you can use the electricity like a freaking grapple hook in Batman mm-hmm. and zap your way around. But you can also use it in combat. And so one of them was saying how they were having a hard time taking a boss down, and then saw that he had these knee plates. Took the knee plates by grappling them with the electricity and then went to town on him. And I thought, that is freaking brilliant. That is fantastic game design. I can't wait to see that. Especially with the way they're doing it with the minimal UI. You know, you don't have a fairy pointing at the knees going, hey, hey, yeah. here. You know, it it's going to be up to the player to figure it out. Yeah, definitely. Well, it's one of the things I like about the game, too. I like the idea of just having you thrown into this world and it's like your character has no clue what the hell's going on. So why the hell should you? Yeah. Okay, Vince, what you got next? Uh, next, how about Minecraft story mode? You know what, dude? I looked everywhere for news on this. I know they were there. I saw people tweeting about it, but I couldn't find any real news about it. So mm-hmm. I'm interested to hear what you guys it, say. It was very, very little. They just showed off like the opening segments of the game. But one thing I found really interesting here is Jesse, the main character. There are six different options at the beginning of the game for you to choose your Jesse. Oh, right, yeah. And half of them are male, half of them are female. Yeah. So for me, this throws a big twist on what we've come to expect from the Telltale games of you are an established character. And, you know, even with Tales from the Borderlands, yes, you have Reese and Fiona, but they're still established characters. You know, they, they have their own particular things to them that make them unique. So it looks like what we're getting here in, in the Minecraft game, much like Minecraft exactly, itself, yeah. is it's very much a blank slate. So this is going to give players and I would assume Telltale a lot more freedom for all the directions thing could, things could possibly go in. And I, I'm actually really interested to see because I don't want to say the Telltale formula has gotten stale at this point because it hasn't. But 
it does need a change. Like they they do need something. Well, considering new and they're getting on top out, of it, they're getting outperformed at their own per, their own formula <laughs> at this point by other companies. Yeah, they need something to shake it up. Yeah, definitely. Cool. Yeah. All right. Cool. Uh, did you guys see the stories? The hidden path. No. It's a little indie game, and it's uh, it's by the Montreal team that worked on Tiny Brains. The that was a launch title for the PS4. I did see stuff about this. Yeah, weird stories. That's Good. what they were commenting on. I think this looks awesome. It's a tight, top down hack and slash. It has this amazing style, art style to it, like very bright, vivid colors. And what they did is they they point blank said they they kind of borrowed some of all of the games that they liked and influenced them. So there's, you know, essences of Bastion, FTL, Batman, different things in it. And then with this really kind of quirky story with these, you play as these anthropomorphic animals. You play as a fox and then you meet up with a rabbit at one point that you free from a prison and you also meet a cat later. And, and you also have options in terms of what you can do like he was saying when you meet the rabbit you can choose to either kill it or you can essentially Party recruit it, it. Yeah. and most of the people choose to recruit it but of course because they're there they have to try kill and they said it was a brutal kill with a knife to the chest <laughs> it- and as the rabbit's dying it says tell her i love her and i went oh well, you know what makes me wonder about that too is, and, and I'm, I'm kind of curious, the other comment that followed that was there was no backstory or prompting. Exactly. It's just, it was just like this blind happened. choice. And it's like, what, what? So there's like a lot of really cool stuff with this that I really dig. It's going to be coming out for the PS4 and the PC in uh, early 2016. But just based on what I saw, I am re. I, it's it's already a sale. They're, they're they'd have to screw it up something fierce for me to to choose not to play this. It was awesome. I will, I will add it to my game of my list of games to watch. Yeah. Oh yeah, it was awesome. Um, Vince, you got any others on your list? Uh, yeah. How about another small little game that I had never heard of until this packs called Hard West. I didn't even hear that. I didn't see that. Mm-hmm. It's from a small Polish studio called Creative Forge Games, and it's definitely being lumped in with XCOM because it's that turn-based, cover-based, tactical type of gameplay that XCOM excels at. But what they're doing here is no soldiers and aliens. Instead, you play a team of uh, lawmen in the Old West going from town to town hunting down outlaws. So it has that cool style to it. The game... Looks cool. The UI is very slick and really well done with the times and all that. I was like, okay, this looks pretty cool. And then in the briefest of interviews, they use words like blood magic (laughs) and Lovecraftian elements. And you went, where do I (laughs) pre-order? I I heard something about Nintendo kind of dipping into the Lovecraftian. I was like, really? So it went from, okay, cool game that, you know, I might pick up on a Steam sale to, okay, when's it coming out? <laughs> awesome. Still still early in development and yeah, not really to nail down any specific release dates or, or anything like that. But it's definitely one I'm keeping my eyes on now. Cool. Did you see the video for Headlander? Mm-mm. <laughs> That's awesome. Joe, this is right up your alley as well. It's this side-scrolling game. 
and it's it's a future, but the future that would have been imagined in the seventies. So what the seventies you thought what the future would look like kind of thing. So it's got these wild colors and all kinds of things. Well, this is this is double fine. Yeah. So all right. What they are doing is basically humanity has given up on flesh bodies and they just Mm -hmm. basically are in robots now. There's one last quote unquote human head that exists, and it's like it's like Straight out of Abbey Normal kind of thing. It's like a, it's a head in a jar, and it's got thrusters underneath so it can fly around, and then it psychically manipulates whoever it comes across and pops their head off, pops its head on, and then it can control that body. And based on whatever body you're using, that'll give you different abilities. Like if you're part of security, well, you need to be in order to hack your way through different areas or if there's too much pressure on you you can get inside of a dog (laughs) so your head is on top of a dog it was quirky ridiculous but the more they talked about it a that world sounds freaking awesome tons of fun to play in there the story sounds interesting for a side-scrolling platformer the story really is compelling and then the gameplay was solid it was solid and looked like fun and creating puzzles in a unique way to get you kind of figuring out, okay, how am I going to, you know, use my head, no pun intended to get out of this. It was very cool. This is, this is actually not the first time we've heard about this either. There was a a Schaefer interview several years ago where he talked about this weird game coming out of one of their game jams uh, that was kind of inspired almost like almost from Baron von Munchausen, the moon people, and uh, I remember that distinctly because I was like, where is it? Give it to me now. <laughs> and this is the culmination of that. And it was one of those weird ideas that were like, hey, remember what was really fucked up when we were kids? Yeah, this was really fucked up when we were kids. Let's make a game out of it. So it's the interesting thing about Double Fine, as we've seen over the last few years. Like, they're really big games that they put a lot of time and effort into. They're okay, but like these weird little things that they just crank out overnight end up being the best stuff the company puts out. Before you take another one, Vince, did you see the panel layout for the Dishonored booth? No. Dude, I'll send you the link. It's on uh, Kotaku. I found it. And it is spectacular. I want my house to look like this. (laughs) I don't care what they have to do, who I have to pay. I want my house to look this bloody Awesome. Like it's got Arcane Studio is not responsible for any shadow assassins that may lie in your library. (laughs) Dude, it had like these glorious paintings from inside the game. It had the the folding sword, it had the mask, it had the gorgeous regal long jacket thing on a kind of a mannequin. I was going (gasps) (laughs) It was gorgeous. And and like it's funny because you look at it as a fan of the IP, which the only people who aren't fans of the IP are people who didn't play it. And you look at it and they had it arranged even with like the wall. So you look like you were in a mansion kind of thing with all of this amazing stuff all over the place. And I'm going, this is cosplay heaven. Like if somebody has got any of those outfits on to take pictures in there, it looked like it was a set of a movie. Awesome. Okay. So you got another one, Vince? Uh, sure. I've got a couple here. Uh, I, I just to, too. You do too? Okay, well, you said you might not have too many. I'll go to you after that. 
Yeah, just to lump a couple together because, you know, there, there's a lot of similar stuff here. Uh, I saw some more out of Battleborn. Again, we talked about that with Gamescom. The, Keeps uh, getting better. Team-based shooter coming from Gearbox. And they showed off specifically a lot of the co-op story mode. And the way that works where it's just like this endless, not endless, but uh, this large map where you're moving from point to point with various objectives. It's not all, you know, defend this point or kill this enemy. It's It's constantly evolving and your play styles have to evolve and they showed off some of the characters that look really cool <laughs> and then hilariously uh this pax is also where we got the reveal finally of cliff bazinski's next big game from Bosky lawbreaker yeah which, which is, is the same. oh man i wish we'd announced this before blizzard announced overwatch because <laughs> it looks really cool like a lot of fun but there's definitely gonna be a lot of crossover between those player bases between all three of these games really yeah, I hadn't even heard anything about that and then see the video and I was like, you know, if it wasn't for the other two, this looks pretty damn mm-hmm. cool and it's going to suffer because of that. Yeah, well, I find it really interesting, too, because I was joking around with Tart the other day about how the 90s are coming back. I was like. Uh, the ska music is coming back, 90s fashion is coming back, and now team-based shooters are coming back in a big way. And it's like we're getting oversaturated. That said, I'm still going to try Battleborn because oh, God, a yeah. lot of the, the, the characters that they're showing, the ones that they're showing in uh, the previews, uh, even in the trailers, look unique, fun, and it just looks really interesting. Yeah, Overwatch is going to be cool. We know we know Overwatch is going to be a, a, a raging success. But this looks really nifty, and I want the more I see about it, the more I want to add this to my playlist as well. The healer is a giant mushroom. A huge giant mushroom. <laughs> Can't go wrong with that. And bye. All right. And, uh, it's really cool. Joe, what did you, or Vince, are you done, or was there another one? You said you were um, I'll, I have one more, but we'll let Joe go. Okay, go ahead, Joe. You know, I wanted to talk about it a little bit, and I was talking with, with uh, Roger about this earlier. We got more information and more levels showed off for Yoshi's Woolly World. Hmm. Oh, I forgot. And <laughs> I totally forgot about it at first, but it's like when you start talking about platforming, I'm like, yes! So the platforming looks like it's going to be absolutely insane in later levels in this game, where there's a lot of weird, interesting puzzles and things like that. But some of the coolest stuff that I I saw about that was the level design was smart. It was playing with perspective, which was really interesting because it's not just a side-scrolling platformer. They showed off a bunch of the bonus levels you can unlock by collecting things, and they are ridiculously hard. They showed off this one level where you as Yoshi are going on these sliding curtains across this void where you have to keep going from track to track to track to track to track, and it's shifting perspectives the entire way. And it's really disorienting and really cool looking. And it was just kind of a really nifty idea for a platformer because you're not just jumping on things. You're jumping from things to things and having to use like your hover and figure out which ones you have to hit. And it's really kind of cool. The other thing that got me about it was two little tidbits that they they kind of snuck in there. One was that Yoshi will have costumes based off of what amiibos you own and use with it. So if you have a Mario amiibo, and you put it on there, there's a very good chance that he's going to have a giant mustache as he's going through the levels. Um, or if you have Shovel Knight, he might have a helmet. Like, little cool things like that, which make me say goodbye to my money because, well, I'm going to have to buy fucking Amiibos now. Not that I wasn't already. 
But yeah, I, thought that I saw really that shovel cool. light one, and I thought, oh, I know where Joe's money's going. That yeah, oh, I've, I've, that's I've, the I've, end. <laughs> I've, my money—that's that's the gateway. They got me. They got. Although me I will say, life. if I can get my hands on one of the, and I don't even know if I'll play a freaking woolly game, but if I can get my hands on one of those amiibos, I probably will buy it because it looks freaking cute as a button. I want well, that it, on my desk. <laughs> and that's the thing; like the game itself looks like it's going to be not solid. just for not just for kids. It is going to be a solid platformer and i've said this before if you are writing this game off on the aesthetics alone don't the other cool thing that i noticed from what they showed here for it is the interaction with the environment and the attention to detail that they put into this where he's like running on things and how it's reacting to him how it's it's showing the little bounces showing the waves uh how everything looks like is a fully interactive 3d environment in every way shape or form this is not just like a tiny game and they're doing a damn good job one of the ones that I found was cool, I didn't hear nearly enough about it, but it's from an indie developer, and they're working on a um, Oculus Rift VR game, and it's called Darknet, and it's a puzzle strategy hacker game kind of thing, and it's basically, there's a time limit, and they're all procedurally generated, and you go in, and you're you're basically just doing all kinds of hacking through various kind of elements. It was, it reminded me very much of a... I'm trying to think the best analogy. It's kind of like a, a not Tetris, the Lum, Lumines or whatever it was called, where you're kind of putting things, which it's just that kind of look to it, aesthetic. And then it's just a little different in terms of how you're doing the puzzles and different things. And the fact that, again, it's just this big all around you puzzle and you're just playing and doing things with your hands. It looked really interesting. And it's one of those, again, I, I was excited to see what, not just what the AAA designers are going to be doing with VR, but those indie developers that we love that are in many cases, not just, not just are they more creative, but they're, they have a license to be more creative because they don't have publishers at their back and investors saying, no, no, that's too risky. You can't do that. Screw that. They're just going to do it. So you, you get this really kind of cool stuff and it looked super interesting and they're going to be selling it for 10 bucks. And it's like, dude, I would pay twice that much easy to play this game. It just looks like it's going to be, you know, sit down for half hour or whatever, do some puzzles, figure some shit out and then you're done. Move on. I really dug it a lot. So that's the game that needs to take advantage of like the, the haptic gloves and whatnot to really immerse you in it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That kind of thing is I'm quite certain coming and it's only a matter of time, but it's even just like this, it just looked like it was going to be a lot of fun. Okay. Vince, what else you got? Well, I probably need to ask for permission. <laughs> can, can I talk about street fighter? Oh, dude, seriously. <laughs> a rainbow. Are you going to talk about rainbow? Better not be for long. He's going to talk about Rainbow. Yes. Uh, the <laughs> latest I'm going to fill my glass of wine. I'll be back later. <laughs> is Rainbow Mika, our Mika. From a gameplay standpoint, she looks really cool. Uh, that she's check. an actual professional wrestler with a lot of proper wrestling moves. She's a and she's, she's a hardcore grapple character, kind of in the, uh, the Zangief mode that uh, the game is really needing right now. The problem as Joe pointed out, is that I I think they spent a little too much time in the development of Street Fighter V working on the ass physics. (laughs) Because we now have three female characters that they've announced for the game. Uh, First, of course, is Chun-Li, and she looks like Chun-Li. That's exactly what Chun-Li is supposed to look like. 
We had Cammy, which that's what Cammy looks like, but her costume now essentially consists of latex because my God, it's kind of ridiculous. And now here with Armika, it's again, over the top and unnecessary to the point where her critical art finish attack involves her slapping her own ass in the camera, summoning her tag team partner and sandwiching their enemy between their cheeks. No, no, it's no, not their enemy, their enemy's head. Get it right. Yeah. Sp- yeah. It's, it's really <laughs> disappointing. It's really disappointing because it wasn't that long ago. I was saying a lot of really good things about what Mortal Kombat had done. How Mortal Kombat 9 was just a cheese fest and completely unnecessary. And then with Mortal Kombat 10, they showed that you can still have the edginess, the violence, without it being offensive. And now here we have Street Fighter 5, a game very near and dear to my heart. And every time I look at it, I can't help but cringe. It, You know what? I'm not I, happy. I hate to say this. I was waiting for this to happen. I wanted to be proven wrong, but I was waiting for this to happen. And just straight off the cliff they just they just dove they just said fuck it and it's sad because you're absolutely right there are a lot of good things being said about it there are a lot of good things being about said about fighting games in particular and the direction they were moving in recently and then this one's just like yeah fuck all that we're done i don't know well he actually probably did go to get wine i was about to ask if he was back yet i I, I said i'm gonna keep it brief Hell, I'll talk about the one, the other one that I saw. Yeah, go for it. So the indie booth actually proved to be a ridiculous wealth of games that I want to play. And one that actually is, that I hadn't heard about before was Viking Squad. And it's a Castle Crasher style lane brawler with fucking Vikings. And not just any Vikings. Yeah, yeah, I saw this. Like big badass Vikings with huge weapons, ridiculous villains, ridiculous armor, a badass female Viking that I think she absolutely looks hilarious. And like, not in the ha 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 in the, she's going to eat a lot of faces way. You have the old Viking of the skinny Viking with the bow and arrow. This looks like a lot of fun. And I love lane brawlers because they're great to play with friends and, you know, family and they're great for just multiplayer shenanigans. And this is going to fit right in there. It's got the bear zerker, which is the he literally is wearing a bear's face at one point. And they're fighting things like Krakens and they're fighting things like weird dudes and like armored beer kegs, like with a little like periscopes and the dudes running around on like land. Absolutely hysterical looking. I did not know this game existed until this packs. And it's coming along quite looks like it's coming along quite well. And it looks like it's going to be pretty polished and it's going to be available on PC, on uh, Mac, PlayStation 4, Xbox Live, iOS, and Android. Wow. They're not They're messing going, around. They're not All messing the around. And they've done other games in the past, too, where they've, uh, they've had, like, N Plus, Scrap Metal, and Shell Razor, and it's all about that arcade-style gameplay. I am completely okay with this game, and this is going to be something that I will very likely buy the day of that it's available. Yeah, that, that, yeah, I saw little bits of that. I didn't know it was uh, getting such a big release, though. They're they're pushing, they're pushing on it pretty bad. Like it just it it looks like it's just going to be, and it's sneaking out there too, right? Like I hadn't heard about this. I talked with a couple of people, they didn't hear about it, and then all of a sudden, just out of nowhere, just starts creeping in, and, and it just looks like it's going to be a laugh riot. Like I would honestly love to play this game with you guys because I think it's going to be ridiculous. Did you guys look into the uh, Mirror's Edge stuff? 
I did. We've, we've discussed how I feel about that game. So. Yeah, but once again, it's different. They're they're redoing. I know. It. I, I I just I'm just, really really excited. I love that they're doing a comic for it as well. Dark Horse is going to be doing a comic for it. That's going to be the story leading up into. Catalyst, yeah. So that's kind of cool. It's uh, it's coming out the September 9th at comics. I'll be reading that for sure. But. Again, they they didn't show a ton, but once again, we got a lot of information from people who played it, not just journalists who were there, but actual people as well who were talking about the adrenaline rush of playing very fast and fluid and free-flowing kind of thing. Some people did find it disorienting at times, but again, it depends on how fast you go and how good you are at it as well. It's still, despite... Despite my obvious lack of platforming skills, I'm sure there's going to be a dumbed down. You know, yes, you like would like to parkour, but you got a bum leg. <laughs> Choose this level. <laughs> so that's that'll be me, and, uh, and I'll do all right. But uh, and there was a preview of the comic available at PAX, by the way. Yeah, it's I'm really looking forward because they got the the um, the person who was one of the writers on the game. I don't know if he was a lead writer or one of the writers. Anyways, um, scripted the the comic as well. So. It's kind of like it was the uh, two lead writers actually sat down and did all the the scripting and framework for the comic books and then handed it over to Dark Horse. Yeah, it's kind of like Mac with uh, with the Mass Effect game or comics as well, kind of thing. So you know you're getting the authentic story kind of thing. And when you look at the cutscenes that are in this one, which are like legit, like they said, cutscenes that just look phenomenal and really have an engaging story as well. The that's what's drawing me in because had this just been, you know, a Mirror's Edge 2 kind of thing, I would have went, meh, whatever. I tried the first one. I wasn't that crazy about it. I, I enjoyed some aspects of it. Loved the style, but I just wasn't that good, so I gave up. But this, the more I'm hearing and the more that the story is important to the game and whatnot, plus just the plain aesthetics of that game. When you, when she comes out, crashes through the window, and she's on the roof, and then she's looking and being told where she needs to go, and she looks up, and you see the various buildings around that that you can just go up and climb if you want. The, it's just immersive, beautiful. Well, not only that, but there's multiple paths up and yeah. down each building too. Yeah. So it's it's not like oh, here's one ladder that you can run up to. No, no, it's it's interesting. And then you see, we've already seen some of the videos with the combat. But hearing people talk about it was really refreshing, too, because it is that very like in one, the combat was very I'm trying to think of the word for it um, stilted. It was very weird. It was very stiff, like it was out of place here. Yeah. It's it's capitalizing on the fact that she's a free runner. She uses the environment. She's going to be not Moving stopping fast. to punch something. Exactly. She's going to be leaping off of somebody to get to the next thing to get out of the way. And it it emphasizes that speed and agility. And everybody was talking about that, where it feels like it's a very fluid motion. And I think that's kind of uh, really telling of how far they've come since the first game. Yeah. I would have liked to have found out more about the expansion for Swotar, Knights of the Fallen Empire, because I'm like seriously going (laughs) ballistic looking forward to this right now. And part of that is because I still can't play the fucking game right now because the drivers are still screwed up for my Windows 10. So I can't play it, but I'm dying to freaking play it. But they were going to do a live stream and be, answer questions and all this shit, and then failed miserably, apparently. Oh. So I was like, God damn it. So I'm still in the in the dark for some of it. But, uh, but yeah, I'm looking forward to, to definitely hearing more because we still got a while before that comes out, and I'm oh, yeah. really looking forward to it. Uh, did you guys check any of the Destiny stuff out? A bit. 
Not really. Okay. <laughs> I, I'm, like I said, I, I, I'm at the point where I'm interested, but I know I'm not going to play it, at least not when it first comes out. So I'm kind of stepping away at this point. <laughs> See, I'm still interested in hearing what they have to say. And Joe and I were talking about but that. This is the thing. If I hear too much, you'll buy it. I'm going to get in trouble. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to, uh, we were talking, and I was saying, you know, I, th- I think what I'm going to be doing is I'm going to basically wait until the price goes down or wait until, you know, whether it comes out as a freebie or cheaper or whatever. Or when there's just no other games to play several months after mm-hmm. it releases kind of thing. Sure, then I'll go and I'll play it because there are a number of things that I like. Plus, now that I'm going to have the Xbox One and the fact is that this, it, people are bitching about the fact that it includes everything in it. Well, I'll just buy a copy for the Xbox One that'll have everything in it. And then if I feel like playing, I can play on either of the consoles. Plus, it'll give me extra character slots to mess around with kind of thing. So... What I'm hearing here, like between the new strikes, the raid with Oryx and the story behind that, it's fairly cool kind of stuff. And what I liked was, and it's funny because initially when they were talking about the season one weapons, all those exotics are going to be useless and you're going to want to get the seasons too. And people are bitching about Galahorn and because that was the go-to weapon. Of course, that was part of the biggest problem is that it was Mm -hmm. the one weapon. They wanted the system, the way that they designed it to be a utility knife that you go through and find the right weapon for the right encounter and switch on the fly as you're playing. That's why you can carry so many. But what wound up happening is that for damn near everything, it was Galahorn. And it showed to them also how people viewed the game, especially boss encounters, where it's just a DPS sponge where you just have to keep shooting. So, of course, you're going to use something like Galahorn just to do the max amount of DPS that you can because otherwise you're just shooting a weapon. And that influenced their design for the various bosses that we're going to see in the new strikes and stuff like that. And that was cool. And the encounter with uh, Oryx, and they were talking about different bosses for other things too, actually does sound really quite cool. And then you have on top of that, they, the, they're fixing vault space. They're fixing, um, they're going to have like a kiosk for shaders and emblems. So you don't have to hang on to them all. You can just get them for free kind of thing. Um, you can also, there's going to be a new weapons vendor, Banshee, Mm -hmm. and you can actually kind of fill quests with them for faction rep and then choose what weapon they're going to be offering next. So if there's one you you want, well, you just have to wait until the following week and then you can do that. There was a bunch of stuff that was really intelligent design options that shows that they're learning based on the, you know, year that this has now been out. And that's the one thing I've always said about Bungie. They listen. They pay attention. They're not content to just upgrade and release the next version of their game. They really listen to their fans, listen to what the fans want. And instead of just giving them what they want all the time, like you said, try and figure out why they want that and what they can give them to satisfy their needs without just you know catering to the lowest common denominator so it, it said say what you will about the quality of the game the quality of the story bungie is at least knows what they're doing what they want to do and where they want to go they may struggle getting there from time to time but yeah you also have to give them praise without it again i still play the game and i still bounce in not nearly as much but when I do have the time to bounce in, if I don't have to play something else, I still have a lot of fun. And very rarely am I thinking, God damn, this combat 
system is broken or, you know, this or that. Or, no, she handles beautifully. Always has, probably always will. Okay, Joe, you said you had one left? I do. I have one last thing that literally just dropped as news while we were recording. Um, so you all know that one of my favorite games of all time is Binding of Isaac and that I've been playing the hell out of Binding of Isaac Rebirth. Uh, there's a new DLC coming out called Afterbirth, and we've, I've talked about it in the past, I think maybe very lightly, um, but there are a couple of things that were released at PAX specifically for it, so anybody who's a fan of the game, we have confirmation that Afterbirth DLC will be released before Christmas. It will pre-order with a very considerable discount, according to uh, Ed McMullen, uh, and of course he says that it will be awesome. And there's a brand new game mode that they're introducing into the game called Greed Mode, where special rooms will allow you to basically control, um, well, not so, so much control, but summon waves of enemies uh, until you decide you've had enough and have to push the stop button. And your reward will be based off of how long you can actually stay in there. Um, and you can actually do things like a boss rush mode and a nightmare boss rush mode, which everybody who's played it so far at PAX has said that it was ridiculous, horrible, and they want more of it. So I thought that was kind of cool that, the you know, today we get more information about that because I've been waiting for this damn DLC, and, well, this makes me want it even more. Yeah, there's, again, a ton of information regarding indie games, and you guys should definitely check it out because both Nintendo and Microsoft had them. They talked about there's a, a Fast Racing Zero game, there's a Hive Jump, uh, Earwalk. The Poncho game looked freaking awesome using the 3D Cuphead going back Cuphead had a really good showing this year, too. What's that? Cuphead had yes. a really good presence. It it looks, I mean, I grew up with those cartoons kind of thing, and, and obviously some of that style is before my time as well, but I it just looked great. Party Hard, initially when you hear what the concept is, you're going, hmm, this could go horribly wrong. But then when they start talking about how weird it is, it kind of sounds like a lot of fun. Did you guys actually see that one? No, but I like my no. weird. It's a party and you've had it with them making noise and you can't sleep, so you're going in to murder everybody at the party. <laughs> so you have to kind of lure them in different rooms or whatever <laughs> and and kill everybody off there. It's hysterical. And it has this kind of um, of uh, uh, Hotline Miami look to it, but better, just better. And top-down look where you see the entire house and then you That's can go between now. Is it? Okay. Yeah, it's, it's on Steam right now for 10 bucks. It looks freaking hysterical. <laughs> Again, when they first talked about it, I went, ew, that just kind of sounds weird. But then you find out how weird and quirky it is, and it's like, okay, I'm in. And then there was the, the Flame and the Flood. Looked amazing. That's former Bioshock devs. Um, has this don't starve appeal to it, but even better. Like, there was a lot of indie stuff that was shown here that impressed me more than AAA stuff like like destiny and whatnot it was really a good year for for indie devs here and we can thank again both nintendo for microsoft for pushing for that as well so any parting thoughts or anything that we didn't cover vince we'll go with you first a quick parting thought i think one of the reasons we didn't see a whole lot from the video gaming side of pax this time around is that there's been I, it, there's always been like a tabletop presence but it's definitely oh, yeah. i noticed this year really expanded like I would go so far as to say that Dungeons and Dragons had the biggest presence at PAX this year. Well, and that's understandable. Wizards of the Coast has been pumping a lot of money into pushing everything that's coming out. Uh, Tales of the 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 new Sword Coast uh, Mm -hmm. stuff that's coming out, uh, which 
everybody who's who got to touch it has said that it's absolutely phenomenal so far. Temple of Elemental Evil uh, is a big moneymaker for them. It was a big release. They've had a ton of top shelf releases that they're pulling out of their, their ass. I won't even lie that they're pushing really hard and they're making a big stance to, to, to put D&D back on the table. And they, they did also show uh, Wizard Arena Wars at mm-hmm. PAX, which is basically minis brawling in an arena, which basically is like a magic caster draft. Uh, but there's so many cool things they're doing. So many. Yeah. I mean, they, they've always had a presence at PAX because of the Acquisitions Incorporated uh, mm-hmm. game that they play. And Chris Perkins once again killed it this year. But it, it, I noticed that there were more people in my timeline this year talking about Dungeons, Dragons, and other tabletop games than the actual video games at PAX this year. And I'm okay with that. Oh, I'm more than okay with that. Because once again, we get the actual gaming news from how many other conventions that mm-hmm. go on mm-hmm. year round. Like, for this to be dedicated to the tabletop experience primarily, not only am I okay with that, I'm happy that it's taken that turn. And and it fits because of their work with their own game as well and stuff like that. It just, and their appreciation of not just Dungeons and Dragons, but a whole variety of different games. And we saw that, especially last year too, where they were talking about various card games that they had and things like that. And it was like, yeah, like I, I'm so on board with that. Uh, okay, Joe. Anything? Uh, pardon thoughts or anything? That, that's it. I'm You're just done? been the things that I saw. I was very happy with. So okay, completely off topic, and just for a very brief moment, I know that Joe, you hit seventy on your uh, your character. And oh, Diablo. Yeah, almost. I'm at oh, sixty-five. Oh my god! What is wrong I had? With I had? I had to stop. I had to go. To, I had to sleep. I had to go to work. All right. <laughs> Season four came out for Diablo three, which is and it's been amazing. They, there's a whole bunch of improvements that they've put in and not just that, but they, they added a way for you to track what you're doing to know kind of, okay, I need to work on this next and things like that. It was, it's fairly good design. I'm enjoying it. So yeah, I went in, I got my, um, Tristan and I got some characters up to 70 together. So I got my witch doctor up to 70 and then I just started racking up the paragon points. And then I power leveled a clan member and I got him to 70 in, it did not take long and we had a blast. And so I've been working now on a baby, uh, demon hunter who's 40 something, 45, I believe 46. So yeah. Oh, and I fucking love Kanai's cube. Yeah. It's pretty handy. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> uh, the only thing I wish is that you could access it on the fly. If you could access it on the yeah. fly while you're out, then you can tailor and it's, which you choose for whatever encounter. That would be oh, so much better than having it, to it. And it's not as expansive in the legendaries as I thought it was going to be. I'm all right with what's there. Well, because mm-hmm. I had I had some weird, cool uh, Daibos drop for my monk, and I was like, I'm going to just take this and put it on my what? No, I can't do that. No. Okay, yeah, but did it have a special ability? Yeah. Oh, okay, because most of them, hmm. it's if they have a special ability, they're there. So it, it like one of them had a special ability and it just it's not on the list. And I don't know if it was just an oversight or if it was just like luck of the draw or whatever the case is, because now more than ever, they have so many more legendary items and you can make your own now. Like it's it's pretty ridiculous. Yeah. And Vince, you're at what now? Um, like I guess I haven't played much. Uh, Alicia and I just had like a casual evening where we both got to 40. Yeah, because you wouldn't let me help you. No, no. Sorry, I like to play the game. That has nothing to do with it, and you know it because you've let me power in, in the past. That's right. No, we don't want you around as a third wheel. Well, fuck you, then. I'm not going to level your ass through. Take that, you little dip jingle. All right, that's it. We're done. <laughs> 
<laughs> you can find the show notes, of course, at For the Lore, and we are live on Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, and you can go to ForTheLore.com slash live for that. You can find us on Twitter at For the Lore. Joe is at Loaders at J. Vincent Simodian, and myself at Zen Buddhist. You can leave us your thoughts also on iTunes and Stitcher. Thank you to everybody in the live room. We appreciate you guys coming out, and we will see you guys next week without Vince. Yay! Insert corny comedic clapping. Oh, Vince got found out. Oh, Vince got found out. Yes. I told you that already. (laughs) Don't act all surprised now, woman. (laughs) Jesus. (laughs) You live in different states. You sleep alone already. (laughs) So, yeah, so I got your replacement for both CBI and for, uh, for the lore next week. Oh, aren't we fancy? I warned you I was going to. <laughs> You're just disappointed I did so so fast. <laughs> hey, look at that. Yeah. Hey, I can hear you like people. Again, we've had this happen to us before. We just have to remember. You see, it shouldn't be on me. <laughs> That's the oldest and more likeliest to forget. It should be on one of you. When something like this happens, okay, everybody update now. We'll call back in two minutes. <laughs> Vince, it's on you. From now on, it's on you. Don't forget, motherfucker. I'm confident I will not disappoint you any more than I already do. You're like the father I never had, Raj. Or wanted. You disrespectful little jingle. <laughs> jingle? <laughs> jingle <laughs> I got them for the whole show <laughs> right. either it wasn't funny enough or he's crying <laughs> it's good <laughs> she's in the audience <laughs> Finish this glass of wine. Honey, <laughs> uh, my seat's been reserved for decades. My seat's been reserved for longer than you've been alive. <laughs> All right. Got that nice waterfront property. More like lava front property. Well, yeah, you know, river of fire. It's all the same. Yeah. Please. Favorite game is Fleur's Lava, so come on. It's all good. Mighty ho neighbor. I don't know who you are, so. Hello. <laughs> Glad to have you here. <laughs> we'll go with that. Hello. I've been told it could be a little off-putting. I'm working on it. <laughs> You've made great improvements, Raj. <laughs> You're now only a little off-putting. Dude, that is leaps and bounds from where we were originally. Let's not let's not make any jokes. I'm proud. <laughs> Yes, a smidge. That is a fantastic word. Smidge. 
fuck out of my chat room insulting me like that? What the hell's wrong with you? <laughs> Guests in my house and you come and shit on my kitchen table? That ain't cool. Jingle, Raj. Jingle. Damn it. God damn it. What is up with Jingle. Actually, no, what's funny is that I was going to continue to say shit throughout the, the episode, but do a short clip of me saying jingle, like right now, jingle, and then just paste that <laughs> throughout the entire, whenever anybody says shit, it's going to no, say you jingle. You have to get some bells. <laughs> no, I thought of that, but jingle sounds much better. Just jingle. <laughs> it's just hysterical. <laughs> oh, God. Never going to let this go. And if you doubt that... I have two character witnesses right here. <laughs> It'll only make you think he forgot. He's probably got it on a post-it note on his monitor. Don't need it. It's firmly entrenched in my brain. It's, the <laughs> it's just like it's, it's the only thing I'm going to think of now, and at Christmas time. So thanks for that. Oh God. <laughs> Especially funny if you reverse it the other way too and jingle all the way becomes shit all the way. <laughs> uh, if anybody wants to know what we're talking about, she's right there in the chat room. Just ask her. Thank you for listening to For the Lore. Each week, the show is broadcast live on Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern. Stop by forthelore.com slash live to join the conversation and have your thoughts discussed on the show. If you'd like to hear more from the guys, check out Comic Book Informer, a weekly podcast from Vince and Roger, as well as Popcorn Ronin, a bi-weekly movie, TV, and anime podcast. And lastly, thanks to Manelli Jamal for the show's theme music. We encourage everyone to check out his site, ManelliJamal.com, or find him on iTunes and help support this incredible musician by picking up his CDs. <laughs>